It's midwife Christine here at the Birth Exchange Podcast. I am here with a dynamic group of women and professionals who are going to tell us how to get our lives back because life keeps life in baby. Life keeps lifing after a baby comes, right? Absolutely. Before, during, after, and beyond. There's so many transitions that women have to go through and maneuver. And these women here are professionals that you need to know. You need to know. You need to have in your lives. And so let's get started. Awesome. Dr. Middlebrooks, can you please introduce yourself? Yes, perfect. My name is Dr. Dion Middlebrooks. I am a physical therapist. I specialize in pelvic floor. Pelvic health, I prefer to say, because there's so much more to the pelvic floor than just those small group of muscles. So my goal with women is to begin seeing them actually during or before pregnancy. So that way we can work with them being able to accomplish different things to prepare for pregnancy and also the recovery. So yes, mamas, I see you afterwards as well. And you need to make sure that you are seeing a pelvic floor physical therapist. Oh, we're going to get deep into that because the people are like, what? Uh, who? I don't know. So thank you for being here. Thank you. The dynamic doula, <laughs> Danielle Anderson. I love that you said that. Yes. Yes. Tell us about yourself. Yes, I am Danielle, the dynamic doula. I am a speaker, a wellness coach, and I recognize that people, but moms in particular, expend ample amounts of physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual energy to do their jobs and to, and to parent and can often feel depleted, potentially headed towards burnout mm. and maybe even existing in survival mode and not knowing it. So I am passionate as a mom of four, as a speaker, as I've said, to teach wellness concepts, to help people move from surviving to thriving, and to become agents of healing in their circles of influence. Oh, God, that was a lot of goodness in what you just said. And we're going to unpack what wellness is, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to unpack that because we like to talk about wellness, but a lot of people might not know what that entails, right? Mm -hmm. Dr. Lomax, okay, first of all, this is my homegirl from Chicago. We Absolutely. are Southside born and bred Chicago women. Absolutely. And yeah, we transplanted into the Atlanta space yes, and just created chaos. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Lomax, tell us who you are. Thank you. Well, I'm Janine Lomax. I am a certified nurse midwife, and I'm also a women's healthcare professor. And currently, I'm a medical educator for Bayer Pharmaceutical. So women's health is just something that I'm extremely passionate about. I have been practicing in women's health for about 23 years. And um, I've just spent a lot of time focusing on not just pregnancy because I'm a midwife. Everybody assumes that my love and my passion is pregnancy, but it's actually gynecologic um, health care. So my focus has been on contraception and family planning. So even though I'm a midwife that likes to catch babies, I'm also a midwife that likes to prevent unintended pregnancy. So that's what so I've let's been doing. talk about it, sis, because uh -oh. you know, uh oh, we know you don't like catching no babies. Oh my goodness! <laughs> and you know what? I think it's important to talk about it because it is. everyone that hears the word midwife mm -hmm. attributes that to catching babies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I felt it was really important for you to be here. So other midwifery um, aspiring midwives yeah. um, and other midwifery professionals can know that it's okay for you to venture out into different areas of women's health. Yes. You don't necessarily just have to catch babies and take care of women while they're pregnant. Correct. Absolutely. Okay. So I can get into it. <laughs> can we get into it? Absolutely. Okay. Well, you know, when I decided to become a midwife, 
I absolutely was in love with the idea of taking care of women and specifically catching babies, right? Mm -hmm. I saw my first birth at 15 years old. It was the birth of my first nephew. Mm. And my brother was eight years older than me, and he just felt like, my sister is not going to be a teen mom. I'm going to make her come watch the birth of my child, mm. and it's going to terrify her. Well, <laughs> it did the opposite. <laughs> it did the absolute opposite. Um, I fell in love with the magic mm -hmm. of childbirth. Mm. Um I also ultimately became a teen mom. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yes. Well, I had a teen pregnancy, but I was an adult when I gave birth. But mm -hmm. it threw me into this world of women's health. Like, what is this world? And I fell in love with it. And when I became a midwife, I just knew I wanted to catch babies. That's what I wanted to do. Like, that's what I loved as a labor and delivery nurse. You mm -hmm. know, we catch and we love it. And I'm like, this is what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. I become a midwife. And I'm working with a physician. Mm. And this physician is like, I understand you're a midwife, but you're going to do gynae also. And I was like, I'll do a pap. Yeah, <laughs> no problem. She was like, no, you're going to do all gynae. Mm. And so I was thrown into gynecologic health. Like it was baptism by fire. Mm -hmm. And I fell in love with it because the woman's body is so dynamic. Yeah, It's so complex. There's so many complexities um, of a woman's body and so many healthcare issues that are unique to women specifically. Mm -hmm. And the more and more I like dug into it and learned it, it just became my passion, right? And I'm happy because I don't want to catch babies. I don't want to be on call. You mm. know, I didn't feel very midwiferish at two in the morning, right? <laughs> At two in the morning, I was like, uh, Get somebody we gonna, else. We're gonna break your bag. You won't do you want to ever do? Because I'm tired. And when I realized I wasn't midwiferish <laughs> in the middle of the night, I felt like I might be doing my patients a disservice because mm -hmm. I can't just say I'm only gonna catch babies during the day. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And I didn't like that about me. I had to recognize. That mm. that wasn't me, mm -hmm. and it was okay. Yeah, and unfortunately, even though that may not have looked uh, being acceptable and that, to the world man, of midwifery, that's just what I was going to get mm -hmm. into because mm -hmm. in the world of midwifery, what I found was that they wanted to keep me in a box. Mm -hmm. They want to put you in a mm -hmm. box, and even to the world, everybody thinks a midwife looks one way, right? Very we true. We think one way, and we look one way. Christine and I look completely different from what the world thinks midwives look like. You know, I will have to say, yes, I'm a midwife. No, I don't wear long blue jean skirts. I don't wear broken <laughs> socks. I like Louboutins. I drive a nice car. And I got nice designer go bags. Right? Hello? Right. The that's, modern day midwife. That's the midwife that I am, right? And mm -hmm. I had to have the courage to step out and say, I don't want to be like you all. Mm. I want to be like me. Mm -hmm. I want to be the midwife that I want to be. And I looked at my story, being young, having three pregnancies before the age of 19, mm -hmm. and realizing I my patients need that have experiences like me, they need a me in their life. Mm -hmm. So if I show up as Janine and not show up how everybody wants me to be, I'm going to have a greater impact. 
And I stuck with it, and that became my jam, my niche. So listen here. You mentioned how dynamic the woman's body is, and we know that. Mm -hmm. There's nothing like a woman's body, period. Period. Okay. That's the reason I don't like gynecological (laughs) health care. I I do not like gyne. Mm -hmm. I don't want to use the word hate, but I just strongly do not enjoy gynecologic care because it is so complex. And my passion is truly with taking care of women when they're pregnant, carrying them through that pregnancy, carrying them through birth and beyond, Mm -hmm. right? Will I do a pap here and there? Like, well, woman care, yes, I'll do that. But gynecologic care is not something that I specialize in. But you know what? You were probably the one person who helped me realize that my midwifery care doesn't look like, doesn't have to look like her midwifery care Mm -hmm. or what she's doing over there and how she's doing that over there. Like, midwifery is such a, a, a beautiful world to be in, and there's so many different um, aspects to care. Whatever you love is what you tap into. Yes. And that's how you thrive and flourish in your career as a midwife, be it catching babies or not. Yep. Right? Yep. So let's break down what wellness is because mm-hmm. I think a lot of women, I won't say I think, I know that we probably don't see the doctor or go for care on a regular basis unless we're pregnant right until we're pregnant like that's the regular interval of time that you're going to see somebody for care right would you all agree with that Mm -hmm. yes Mm -hmm. so let's get into what being healthy is all about as far as well woman and how you can maintain health even outside of childbirth you know childbirthing etc like how do we get into helping people understand the importance of maintenance Mm. That's a great question. I think it's really it's helpful to start with people understanding or their own definitions of health or wellness. I've heard some people say mm. health is a state of the body and wellness is a state of being. And mm. I'm like, oh, maybe. But I think, you know, there's lots of definitions you can give. I like to think about wellness per se as this really dynamic reality where it's not necessarily a state of being, but it's a state of action mm. where we're able to move fluidly between different states of just the human experience. Mm, so I, I can that. move fluidly between anger back to safety, out to risk back to safety. Um, and of course, my physical health plays a huge impact on my well-being on my wellness and so Mm -hmm. for me it's so such a robust and dynamic thing but when I talk about wellness I'm talking about like physical spiritual mental and emotional health and those various and there's even more than that right environmental and Mm -hmm. financial there's so many aspects to it so I think it's it's healthier it's wise to clearly state what what you're talking about in that health and wellness discussion so that's where my expertise if you will comes in is in that physical mental emotional spiritual space I love that because you're like, I'm going to call it your rest therapist. Okay. okay. I receive it. <laughs> yeah. You are all about restorative yoga and just telling moms, sit the hell down somewhere. That's right. Lay down. Lay down. Chill out. Close your eyes. Take some breaths. Go to sleep or yes. something, right? So can you expound on, like, the importance of rest and stress management for women? Absolutely. Yes. So 
we live in the West, and the Western culture is very much a grind, grind, hustle, hustle, go, go, go. And the air that we breathe, I believe, here in America is the air that says you are what you do. And so we find that we have to mm. produce mm. because that's who we are. And I really do think it comes down to like an identity issue. Mm. But if we can break that, if we can actually start to believe that I am not what I do, but that I am this human being worthy of care and love and respect, then I'm more prone to give myself the things a human needs, which includes rest so rest is rest and work are partners you we don't just work work and rest go together you were talking earlier about working out and how if I'm going to work out I need to also plan my rest and my recovery Recover, days yes. um, I think that rest includes sleep mm -hmm. but I think that rest is not only sleep mm. um, so I think your rest can be very robust so you asked about stress when we exist in culture and we're carrying a lot of stress in our body, one way to help discharge stress and to help serve our nervous system well, which is dealing with the stress, is to take those moments of pause. Oftentimes the nervous system can be just overwhelmed and it can it yes, exist yes. at capacity. And I've heard it said many times, the cure for overwhelmed and you existing at or above capacity is nothing, is rest. So it's just stopping and just sitting. It's stopping and allow yourself to be. Um, and that is a beautiful way you can give back to yourself and your children and your family and your community and on and on the ripple effect goes. I do not, I don't believe that rest starts and ends with us. I think it really does have these beautiful ripple effects across current generations and beyond. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and yeah. you mentioned hustle and grind, which we're all very familiar with. I know that is a culture you and I, Janine, have come from. Yes. We're working two and a half jobs just mm -hmm. to stay afloat in Chicago, mm -hmm. right? Like that was the norm. Mm -hmm. And there was never conversation about taking a break or resting or even the opportunity to do that. Right. Because the lives that we live, right, in the communities that we lived in. Mm -hmm. um, most of our friends and family are single parents, right? Mm -hmm. So everyone's a single financial household like everyone's carrying the weight so there is no conversation about rest and like how do we how do we help women to infuse rest in their daily lives and this is something I deal a lot with especially the moms who are immediately postpartum and honestly with all the patients I see who fall within the um, pelvic health reign because people don't know how to rest they don't know how to decompress they don't know how to down regulate their nervous system and it comes back down to whatever's going on around us, um, whether it be finances, whether it be emotional stress, whether it be our own health, our nervous system responds and houses all of that. So it starts with the very basic of learning what works for you to how to try to shut down your body so that way your body can start to recover. And it can be, begin with something very basic, breathing. Uh, every person I see, no one knows how to breathe. Mm -hmm. If I were to tell you all to take a deep breath right now, I can guarantee Everyone would take that deep breath, shoulders would go up, and first thing that you need to know is that is ineffective. Because if you're able to do proper breathing, especially at times that are stressful, guess what you're able to do? You're able to downregulate your nervous system. Mm -hmm. There's a book that's called Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. In the book, he actually <laughs> describes that um, the zebra itself, as the lion is chasing it, so the zebra is prey to the predator. All of a sudden, it gets away, and it just goes through pretty much like a, a massive convulsion, just starts shaking. Well, imagine if we actually had a chance to reset. That zebra is shaking to reset its nervous system. Guess what we don't do as human beings? It is both a blessing and can be a curse if we don't know how to utilize it properly. So yes, 
fight or flight, get away from the lion, please. Stress at work, get away from that. There's certain times where saying no is going to help you manage that. And especially with the mom's postpartum, saying, telling people, no, you can't come over. Or if you do, here, don't hold the baby, go do this. That can be extremely helpful for helping people to downregulate their nervous system. So that way they're learning, okay, got it. I can say no. My nervous system gets a chance to reset. I now know how to breathe. I'm able to breathe. I'm able to activate that vagus nerve. That vagus nerve is so important for our internal organs. It can, one, accelerate the healing process. It also will decrease the cortisol levels. Y'all, if you can decrease the cortisol levels in the gut itself, guess what else you can help to make? Serotonin. What do you need serotonin for? Melatonin in the brain so that way you can get sleep. So what does it go back down to? It comes all the way back down to learning how to reset your body. Starting off with basic breathing is the perfect way to do that. Everyone should know how to breathe. So that way if you run into a situation, you're able to kind of move on. Mm -hmm. But what we need to be clear is that sleeping does not equate to rest. Yes. So Mm -hmm. someone watching this might be like, well, I can just go. I go to sleep all the time. Mm -hmm. I sleep good, girl. But your brain's still working. How long does it take you to go get to sleep? Like, truly resting is a skill probably Mm -hmm. that a lot of us don't know how to do. Mm -hmm. So there are proper breathing people call diaphragmatic breathing. And they also, some people call it 360 breathing. A true diaphragmatic breath is actually 360. I'm just going to be honest. So the purpose of it is you want for your diaphragm to actually contract down. As your diaphragm is contracting down, guess what else responds? Your pelvic floor, your stomach, everything else is going to respond with that. So your diaphragm is going to drop down. As that drops down, your pelvic floor also reflexively is going to drop down because it should start to stretch. Now, if you're having a lot of tension and tightness, guess what won't happen? You got to fix that. Come see me. We can fix that. (laughs) But as your diaphragm starts to contract and um, drop down, that stomach expands. And then you expect for your rib cage and your back to expand. What we don't want to happen is just for the chest to rise and fall. Now, if you're running from the lion, if you're having a sprint for your life, please use whatever you need to use. However, once that situation ends, take that moment, do the zebra convulsion shake, start focusing on that deep breathing. So you can bring a hand to your chest and a hand to your stomach. And I'm going to have everyone up here do this with me. Sorry, ladies, putting y'all on the spot. Yes, I am. (laughs) So you're going to close your eyes. The reason why you're going to close your eyes is because I want you to focus on what you're doing and not what everyone else around you is doing. So as you take the deep breath first, make sure your, your jaw is relaxed. One big reason why we hold stress is we start to actually utilize our jaw too much and we clench up here. So to relax your jaw, take the tip of your tongue and place it behind the top two front teeth. That is the natural resting point for most people, not all, but most. Now you'll notice that your back teeth are slightly separated. If not, then yes, we need to work on releasing your jaw. Now, as you take a deep breath, I want you to breathe all the way down into your bottom. So you should feel the muscles that you're sitting on actually push down into the chair. As you do that, you'll feel the chest lightly rise, but you also feel your stomach expand. And now women, we get caught up on this whole notion that we should have a flat six pack abs at all times. Honey, your stomach is supposed to move. Let it move, okay? (laughs) Let the stomach move. So as you take that deep breath in, allow for that stomach to expand and push into your hand. Allow for your pelvic floor muscles, the muscles that you're sitting on to push down into the chair. That way you can feel everything relaxing. Make sure as you're taking that deep breath that the jaw is staying relaxed as well. As you're allowing for your stomach to move, you should also feel your ribs out to the side moving. You should feel your back pressing into the chair. Taking slow deep breaths is the way that your body can reset. And this is a basic principle that we all should know when helping to regulate our nervous system. Now, there are other breathing techniques that, can, that this can progress um, into, but this is the very baseline. This is what everyone should know. Now, if you're noticing tension, if you're noticing you're getting distracted, you're not alone. That's common. 
but make sure that you take the time, especially when stress hits, to at least do some deep breathing. Five deep breaths can take you a long way. Mm. So good. I'm already loving it. All right now. <laughs> Y'all go to sleep on me. <laughs> that vagus nerve response. Well, yeah. Thank you, Dr. Middlebrook. Yes, my pleasure. Janine, mm -hmm. can you walk us through what the components of well woman care make up for us? Like, yeah. what are those things when we talk about that? So when we talk about well woman care, unfortunately, people just think it's going to get your pap mm -hmm. or going to get a breast exam. Mm -hmm. And um, you actually said my exact words about wellness care, right? It is mind, body, spirit. It mm. is the physical, the spiritual, the mental, and the emotional aspects of someone's life. And so when you think about um, going to have that wellness visit, mm -hmm. so to speak, um, that provider should actually be tapping into all of those aspects of your life. Mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, that does not happen. Unfortunately, the focus is when was your last pap? When was your last clinical breast exam? Have you had a mammogram? And bam, that's done. And that's not what women's wellness is. It's not just reproductive health. Mm -hmm. You know, mm. it's all encompassing. So when you're having that wellness, when we talk about women's wellness, it is a total state of being mm -hmm. in all actuality. It's like your your entire, all aspects of your life from family to work, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, to your health, it's everything. Because all of that make will have a huge impact on your overall health. Yes. So wellness is not just a focus on reproductive and sexual health. Wellness is a focus on every single aspect of that woman's life. And that's what makes women's health care so specific and so unique. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about it, um, gender is a social determinant of health, right? It's a social determinant of health. And specifically when you think about for women, because where a woman lives, where she works, how many children she has, if she's married or if she's single, mm -hmm. if she's divorced, all of that impacts her health, her mm. overall health. And so we have to look at gender as a social determinant of health. And because women historically are discriminated against and marginalized, um, women have a lot more disparities mm -hmm. than, than men, right? So for me, when I, how I approach healthcare and how I approach women's wellness is really developing that therapeutic relationship with that patient, getting to know who that patient is. Not the fact that you're just a patient that's on my schedule, but I need to know who you are. I need to know what are the things that are occurring in your life that impact your life, because that's how I can take care of you. And that's the very essence of midwifery care. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And and I'm happy you said that because that's it, it baffles me that we separate women's health care, gynecologic health from midwifery. Mm. Why do we separate it? It is essentially the same. If you ask a women's health care nurse practitioner, what do you do for a living? They will tell you they take care of women from adolescence and beyond menopause. 
if you ask a midwife what do what does being a midwife mean, it means taking care of women from adolescence and beyond menopause. Mm-hmm. There's no difference, right? Right. So that's a huge um, pin in that. We're going to put a pin in that pin. because of the fact that midwifery care, you can see a midwife, okay, people. Mm-hmm. You can see a midwife outside of just having a baby, okay. outside of pregnancy, outside of birth. This is how midwifery care can impact your health, okay, and your lives. Danielle, you mentioned something about action, you know, mm-hmm. because to do all these things, you got to get up and do it, you know. <laughs> and I think leading into what you do, Dr. Middlebrooks, that is a lot. That's a huge, like, reason why a lot of women don't receive the services that they probably should is because the, you know, to get up and go to actually go do it, mm-hmm. right? Pelvic floor health, I'm sorry. It's not on the top of the list of things that, you know, are prioritized when it comes to women's health, right. you know? It's not, and that is why I love my business model. I'm mm-hmm. mobile. I come to you. Mm-hmm. I fit into your life, especially as a new mom. Let's be honest. Do you really want to try to pack a baby up that you may have to breastfeed when you get there or may start screaming? No, but you're okay with someone coming to your house, setting everything up, telling you, hey, you got to feed the baby, honey, take your time. Mm-hmm. And that is important, especially when it comes to recovery. A lot of times we expect women to pretty much jump up and do too much. And I always hear women say, well, this person, this professional athlete is already back to training. And they probably shouldn't be, just being honest. Mm-hmm. They probably shouldn't be. So, one, why are you comparing yourself to a professional athlete? Mm. We're not that. <laughs> just being honest. And then, two, also consider that they're probably back so soon to what they were doing before because that's their livelihood. Mm-hmm. That's another issue I could address on a different day. <laughs> but the whole the purpose of having seeing someone postpartum is to, one, make sure you're okay. So why not have that person come to you? Um, you're already dealing with a lot. You're already having to care for a baby, you, especially if you have other kids. Now you're having to care for several kids. And let's be honest, a new baby, they're not going to sleep when you want them to sleep. Mm-hmm. They're, they're on their own schedule, and you're having to adjust to that. So it's much easier having a public floor therapist come to you in your home and who's able to see you pretty much when you get home immediately. Now, are we having you do rigorous things? No, while your body is recovering. Mm-hmm. The snapback culture needs to die. Oh, mm-hmm. We need to stop that. Like it, it is harmful to the entire nar- narrative of what the beauty of what it is to be a woman. Because you can have your snapback or whatever, but you peeing on yourself is not. It's not cute. <laughs> like let's you be honest, a snapback like, and a snapback. That's not yes. cute. Yes. Oh, <laughs> it's, and so that's it's like, not cute. Exactly. So let walk us through why women would come to a pelvic floor therapist. Now. Yes, no. So women will come to pelvic floor therapists for a number of different reasons. Sometimes it's because with pain with intercourse. The most common reason I see women postpartum is because they are having either increased vaginal pressure or they notice that they're having incontinence all of those things oh yes i'm sorry so incontinence so there's urinary incontinence and also fecal incontinence that pretty much means that you cannot control the process to void urinary incontinence can be um, one of three different types urge incontinence sudden urge pretty much everything is coming stress incontinence got it i'm sneezing i'm jumping something's going to come and then mix incontinence is a combination of two For most women who are postpartum, they have more of a stress-based incontinence simply because of all the pressure changes that have occurred. Let's be honest, your pelvic floor has been supporting the weight of a growing uterus. Mm -hmm. And the uterus is more than just, you know, the weight of the baby. That includes your placenta. That also includes additional fluid as well. Mm -hmm. So your body is having to support all of that and that those pelvic floor muscles are stressed out. So put some respect on the pelvic floor. Exactly. It does a lot. (laughs) And and even then, and I even hear... (laughs) 
Please. And I I even hear my women who have C-sections say, well, I don't need pelvic floor therapy. No, you need me probably just as much, if not more. That's right. Because now your body is recovering from a major abdominal surgery. Mm -hmm. Guess what that influences? How you activate your pelvic floor muscles. Why? Because the abdominal region is a part of that. Mm -hmm. You need scar management, adhesion management. You need to learn the basic things of how to move and get out of bed, how to make sure that you're recovering well. Because a lot of women, after they have a C-section, they're inclined. Then no one's even tell, taking the time to tell them to lay down flat. So a public floor therapist goes over all of these things that may seem very basic, but some things that we're just not explaining to women. And also with helping to restrengthen the public floor. And let me tell you, the answer is not always kegels. That's right. So <laughs> before your doctor tells you to do 300 kegels a day, you ask the doctor well, why. And this is with no disrespect because we are from two different professions, but when you go for your six-week checkup, your doctor says you're good to go run, you're not. Mm-hmm. Your pelvic floor is not that ready to support that. six-week thing is a mm-hmm. whole lie. It pretty much lie. means that things have started to heal properly. Like, let's be honest. The uterus is probably still not back to the size it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Most women, it's not. The cervix is most likely still closing. So you still have all these things going on, mm-hmm. and you're putting extra pressure on your pelvic floor, and you're going to go try to go run? Mm-hmm. Why? Your body is still recovering. C-section, same thing. Eight weeks. You can't, you're not ready. Your pelvic floor is still recovering. So we work on getting you back to the activities that you love and enjoy properly, making sure that your body is able to have that time to heal, making sure that you're knowing, okay, got it. This is actually my body responding this way when I start to leak. Here's some changes I need to make. Here's what I actually need to focus on. And like I said, it may not be Kegels. Mm-hmm. The answer itself may actually be teaching your body how to relax the pelvic mm-hmm. floor, yeah. strengthening some of the other surrounding muscles because people always assume, oh, pelvic floor therapist, she's going to teach me how to do a great Kegel. Sex is going to be wonderful. Yes, that can be true. However, okay. what are your hips doing? Mm-hmm. Like, what is your what are your abdominal muscles doing? I want to know what your back muscles are doing. I want to know how you're moving so that way we can get you back to doing what you're doing because a CrossFit um, individual is going to have a much different recovery from a, a swimmer. Mm-hmm. So you need to work with someone who understands that versus just going with, the, oh, six weeks, I'm good to go. It's not true. Mm-hmm. And can I just say that pelvic floor therapy changed my life? Thank oh, you. come on. <laughs> I, I, come on. Right. I did not even know about pelvic floor therapy until probably maybe four years ago. Mm. And my oldest son is 13. So I wish back in 2009 when I was pregnant, right. that I would have had a pelvic floor therapist on my birth team. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know. But now I know. And I tell all my clients. Awesome. And But I personally am one who has highly benefited from pelvic floor therapy. Because I was that person who went running too soon mm. and was peeing on myself on runs and didn't know what was going on. Yep. Can you talk very briefly mm-hmm. about diastasis recti? Yep. Recti. Yep. Diastasis Di- and diastasis recti. It depends on where you're from. Yep, it depends on where you're from. <laughs> yes, yeah, so one... And how can we fix it? Because a lot of women are walking around with that and not knowing, and you know what I mean? Yep, so first let me tell you, it is normal. They say that 100% of women, so 100% means everyone, mm. when they are delivering a baby, is expected to have it. Why is that the case? Because, y'all, the baby has to grow. <laughs> So you're going to have that. They call it separation, but a better term, in my opinion, is laxity because the the fascia in between the abdominal muscles, it pretty much what happens is it becomes more lax. Why? Because the baby needs space to grow. So everything starts to move out. So women will even notice that their bra size number increases sometimes as well. All of that can go back. But even before I go into just a briefly about DR, do understand that the snapback is not real. And that some women, you, your body has changed. It is a beautiful thing because you may not go back to how you were previously you 100%. Never will. And that is okay. Mm-hmm. So, a normal, they, they consider a normal gap to be two fingers or less, 
with very minimal depth. So the depth means that you're getting good tension of the tummy rising. Now, if you're noticing coning or sinking in, there may be some concerns with pressure management, especially if um, you're noticing that it is wider or deeper. Now, depending on how wide it is, there are sometimes, yes, some women do decide to seek surgical intervention. However, do know that majority of the time, there are some times where this is not true, but majority of the time that is more so for cosmetic base. A lot of women do not actually need it. You have some who do because it does interfere with other aspects as far as them, um, as far as pain goes and them being able to do functional activities. But most women don't need the surgery. Most women actually need, we need to do a better job embracing the changes with our body. Still working on- in That part. Yep, still working on improving the muscles itself because it's more than just the abs coming back together. You also wanna make sure you're hitting the entire person. So how are they utilizing their chest muscles? How are they breathing? How is the pelvic floor responding? Are they able to activate their hip muscles properly so that way when they're doing an activity, they're not getting that bulging or that coning or even the sinking in so it's it's not just a one quick fix is all you really have to take the time to look at each person as an individual but even then ladies please know your body is beautiful it is perfect it has just delivered a beautiful miracle so you want to make sure that you embrace changes mm -hmm. this is so important because mm -hmm. there's so much transitioning happening all the time mm -hmm. you look go from one phase to the other phase to the other phase to the other phase so in that, Danielle, how can moms help? How can they, like, what what can they do to, to help navigate all these changes happening in their lives, both physically, mentally, emotionally? Like, yeah. what do you do? There's a lot. Well, first, I think it's wise to just first be aware, to acknowledge what is happening and how you're feeling about it. I think sometimes in our culture, we can... Well, I shouldn't be sad about this because that person, their experience was way worse than mine. So I can't be sad or I can't be. And it's like, can we each just be where we are with vulnerability and honesty? So once we are aware of it, then I think it's wise to give ourselves permission then to uh, to be fully present with whatever it is and whatever it might be emotion that comes with this transition. So taking from an emotional standpoint, if you're feeling sad about something, giving yourself permission to be sad, mm. literally like moving through the tunnel of the emotion of sadness. I like to mm. think about emotions as tunnels um, and that we are meant to move through them and they actually are meant to move through us. And oftentimes, which is why I love the definition of wellness, sometimes we can just get stuck in an emotion. Mm -hmm. We might be scared to let ourselves feel sadness because we feel like we're going to get stuck there. Yes. But you're not going to get stuck there. So I think if we can give, be aware and then give permission to feel the feeling that comes with it, that's one way to to deal well with transitions that are happening in life. And then I think it's really healthy to um, kind of take inventory of where you are and what you might need that might that you might not have. Maybe I do need some support from a friend. Maybe I do need support from a spouse or a therapist. Maybe I need, I don't know, just taking that time to let me, let me be present and mindful about where I am in the midst of these transitions and then be really intentional about how I can serve myself well to get the things I need in the midst of them. So a lot of that I'm hearing from what I'm hearing you say is acknowledging and doing like a survey of yourself to like identify exactly what you think you might need. Yeah, I think so oftentimes I'm going to tell people that the very first step in wellness things is going to be awareness. Mm -hmm. You might also hear it called consciousness or witnessing or noticing, whatever words you like. But too oftentimes I feel like we as women and we in the West, we're just going through the motions. Yes. And we're kind of living life off of programming, but we're not actually stopping and considering the program or considering where we actually are. So if we can stop and slow down or take pauses to be like, where am I today? What might I need? And just notice. Notice, man, today I feel 
like I'm breathing shallowly. Let me just treat myself to two deep breaths, two 360 breaths. Or today I feel alone. Maybe I can reach out to, I just think it takes, you know, little moments of awareness can go a long way. What makes me sad is that women don't know that. Yeah. Because we don't want to acknowledge that. Mm -hmm. We can't. Will society label us as being weak and Mm -hmm. all the things like we can't possibly expose ourselves. So we do just go through the motions, like Mm -hmm. you said. So Mm -hmm. that is very valid. Mm -hmm. But what do you do that's special? Because you're a yoga instructor and Mm -hmm. I want people to know about what you do for women. Oh, I do a lot of different things. So as a yoga instructor, what the, one of the classes I teach is called restorative yoga. And res- Okay. Oh. Restorative yoga changed my life. <laughs> because that was the one time that I was like, this is great. Like, it wasn't trying to pose. And I was just like, get the blanket, lay down. And I was like, this is great. And so that was my first restorative yoga class probably in 2018, I think it was. And I was like single mama and out here and working business and everything. And I went to that class and cried like a baby. I don't know why I I just released. And when, even when I go to this day, to this day, I release and I cry in those sessions because I feel like it's a very safe space for me to do that. And to just Mm -hmm. be. And to to just just be, be. Mm -hmm. it was nothing else I needed to do. Mm -hmm. And it just felt so therapeutic. Mm -hmm. So I love, I want moms to know more about restorative yoga. Yeah, restorative yoga is so powerful. And just like you said, your experience, it can be very visceral, right? Your body is holding on to a lot of stuff. And you've already talked about stress and being activated. And sometimes in that restorative space, you get permission to just be, to lay down, to be still, to breathe deep. And your body finally feels safe enough to maybe let go of some stuff it's been holding on to. I really do believe, I'm very passionate about restorative yoga, especially as for women of color. I do believe it's a way for us to intentionally practice feeling safe mm. in our body. Now there's a whole lot to say there, but yes. sometimes, We might not often feel safe in our female woman of color body. Mm -hmm. And in a restorative practice, you intentionally get that time to feel safe. So like you said, restorative is one. A lot of my clients call it nap time. It's just like you said, you're getting (laughs) your blankets, you're getting your pillows. There are no standing postures. It's a practice that's all about passive Mm -hmm. stretching, being supported. Being supported. Being supported. So you don't have to hold your weight up. You're not standing on your feet. You get to lay down and mindfully, I always like to say, like, mindfully be held feel what it feels like to be supported feel what it you know feel that pillow feel the earth underneath you and see where you can soften even more and let go mm. and give yourself permission to be supported and and my hope is as you go off when you come off this mat that you will continue living that way that you will give yourself permission to be supported that you will give yourself permission to stop to just be so to me restorative is a powerful practice is. that is healing that is for sure is restorative as its name, but it's also to me um, very unique because you get to stop and feel safe where you might not often have those opportunities. Wow. Beautiful. Okay, y'all. We could go on. <laughs> okay. But I do want to close out by each of you offering, you know, a small tidbit of advice to women in your you know, your specialty, okay? So, like, Janine, can you say something to women to motivate them Mm -hmm. to find a provider that they're comfortable with for them to receive the care that they are deserving of? Yeah. 
Well, first and foremost, what I want to say, and, you know, um, the ladies and I were talking earlier, what I want women to know is that we truly need to kill the superwoman syndrome. Yes. Let that syndrome die because mm. the superwoman syndrome is actually killing, killing. us. Mm -hmm. And we go through life thinking that we have to see, do, think, be, act, and provide for everybody but us, right? So we have to first just really learn how to take that time to care for us because if we can't care for ourselves, we can't care for anyone else. You know, I always say that I can't prescribe medication that I can't take, right? So if I'm prescribing stress and relaxation, I mean, de-stressing, relaxation, mm. you know, self-care to my patients, I have to do that for myself as well. So the superwoman syndrome, we have to kill it. Um, when you are seeking a provider, when women are seeking a provider, they have to ask questions. This is a relationship. Mm -hmm. Stop just going to anybody to receive care. This is your partner in your health, mm. right? So if that's your partner, then that means that that person is committed to your health journey. And a lot of times practitioners are not committed to someone's health journey. They are checking off boxes. They're saying you're this age, you're this race, you're this gender, do this, right. this, this, that, and the other. Mm -hmm. And totally disregard everything else that impacts health. So you want to find a partner in your health care, someone that will listen to you and help you make a shared decision, right? Mm -hmm. So you really should do your due diligence when you're seeking a clinician, like look at reviews. I mean, really, really look at reviews. I will tell you that since I transitioned from Chicago to here, I have fired every single provider that I have had because they did not meet my standards. And I actually have a plane ticket and two appointments in Chicago to go fly. where I know mm -hmm. I'm going to receive the care that I deserve and the care that I need. You know, we have to be strong advocates for ourselves. We have to be strong advocates for our health care. And so you really just need to make sure that the person that you are connecting with to help you on that health care journey is really committed to you living your optimal life. So mm. um, definitely for women's health care, seek a midwife. Mm. It is 1,000% appropriate to seek a midwife. You do not have to seek a midwife out if you are, it's not only for childbearing people that are interested in having a baby. I love menopause. I love taking care of menopausal patients. I love complex gynae. Seek me out, you know, and there are other people that's just like me. So don't just look at midwifery care as one dimensional. Again, it's all encompassing, mm -hmm. right? And also, we think that we have to go to a physician all the time for health care. We do not. You know, a physician is not the end all be all to health care. I am really big on um, team-based health care, interdisciplinary health care. If you look at statistically, interdisciplinary health care has better patient outcomes. This is interdisciplinary health care right here. So how can women and people find you? 
Well, unfortunately, (laughs) they can find me at Birth by Grace Midwifery. (laughs) (laughs) She is the only person that I will come in and do gynae care for. I hate hormones. In the state of Georgia. I hate irregular bleeding. I hate... (laughs) So all that. Yeah, absolutely. You know. Okay. So you can find Janine at birthbygracemidwifery.com if you need a well woman exam. Yes, absolutely. A well woman visit. Visit. Absolutely. Thank you, Dr. Lomax. You're welcome. Danielle, words of wisdom to moms who need to, you know, give themselves some permission to be. Mm-hmm. I would first start with just that. A, a mental giving yourself permission and then taking the time to actually receive it. Because oftentimes there's beliefs underneath there that keep me from believing that. So once you start telling yourself, you know, I I get to just be, then practice it mm. by intentional one minute of stillness, mm-hmm. taking a pause between meetings. If your kids are about to wake up from nap, can they wait one minute? Or you just go to the bathroom and tell your kids, I'm unavailable for the next one minute. Like mm-hmm. There are little little things go a long way. So my, my point is be mm-hmm. realistic with mm-hmm. your own life. So where can you, in small ways, bake in moments of just being? And that might be in the morning, in the evening, between meetings, but find it mm. and then practice it. I love that because mm-hmm. that's that applies to busy moms, mm-hmm. working moms, on-the-go moms, like just taking it bit by bit, minute by minute, five minutes by five minutes, mm-hmm. you know, Absolutely. just incorporating small. How can people find you to work with you? You can find me on Instagram. I am at Danielle, D-A-N-I-E-L-L-E dot Anderson. And my website is wellwithdanielle.net. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Dr. Middlebrooks, any words of wisdom and how can people find you? Words of wisdom for moms. Um, One, I'm still new to the game. My oldest is only five and I have three kids and it is the hardest fun I've ever had. Mm. Um, There is such a joy but my goodness, am I tired sometimes? <laughs> so my, my best wisdom for moms is to, as everyone already said, look for people who support you. Look for people who are truly concerned about you as an individual and want to see you thrive. Look for people who want to see you reign and that'll make sense to you in just a moment why my, my company name is Rain. Mm-hmm. Um, look, for, look for other people who want to help you find the rest that you need as well. But in, enjoy each phase. Um, I'm learning that it's some days I fail miserably, other days I'm on top of the world take it as it kind of ebbs and flows but make sure that you have the support that you need whether it be just an accountability partner for a friend saying, hey did you take a nap how much sleep did you get or even if it is seeking out additional resources from medical medically trained individuals so make sure you have what you need um you can find me on Instagram, um, if you want to find me with my some of my funny kids, I'm at at run DPT. So that's R-U-N-D-E-E-P-T. Um, my business is uh, Rain Physical Therapy and Wellness. And the reason why I say that would make more sense is because my goal is to help people reign in every aspect of life. And mm. the wellness part encompasses everything that the other ladies mentioned. So I'm more than a physical therapist. I have additional training as well. And I do virtual services for some individuals in addition to in-person for the metro Atlanta area. But my goal to help you range so feel free to reach Beautiful. out and we're on the south side okay can i just say that this is we still are. south side we're yes. representing <laughs> all day every day yes. mm-hmm. mamas this was for you we talk about birth teams a lot but today we're talking about mama's team okay and these women and these professionals here are part of uh the team that you need to create for yourself when you start talking about wellness outside of having a baby mm-hmm. okay 
These are the things you need. These are the people you need, the services you need, the encouragement and motivation you need to take care of yourselves, all right? This is the Birth Exchange Podcast. Please like, share, follow, comment, and all the things. And we'll see you in the next episode. Bye.